Pachinko is a Korean-Japanese drama produced by Apple and unlike any one TV show that I've ever seen. The first three chapters, which were released on Friday, March 25th, have a runtime of 50 minutes each, but this isn't a show that I'd recommend binging. I know that you said it's not like any other TV show, but it's very similar to Peacemaker, right? At least in its intro. The intro is so far away from the rest of the plot. That's like, what I've it's, heard. It's so weird. It's supposed to be like very happy, But it is right? like Peacemaker. Yeah, you're right. Because they do a dancing intro. The only difference is Peacemaker feels like it's done in like one shot. And this is uh, an amalgamation of all the different characters. Um, but it does show you like in Peacemaker, every single character that shows up in the show as a main one. Oh, except for do... Jimmy Smith. Does what? it not do it not Jimmy Smith. <laughs> Jimmy Simpson. You knew what? who Jimmy Simpson was in Yeah, this, no, right? I knew Jimmy Simpson was in Yeah, it. he's not in the intro though. Well, yeah, but, like, the intro is supposed to be... Like, it's different, because this is supposed to be a grim show, right? A grim show? Yeah. No. It's tragic in a lot of ways, but it's not exactly grim. Dark is grim. This yeah. This is, like, dark in the timeline thing, because it, it takes place during two timelines. Dark took place during, like, five timelines. What two timelines? Because in the book, 1915, it's supposed... 1924, those are kind of the same. So, basically, uh, between World War One. But this is about the Korean-Japanese uh, conflict, and then 1989, so near the stock market. Crash. Right, because the book took place from 1910 to 1989. It was split into three different parts, like I think 25-year increments. Yeah, it's because it's dealing with generation to generation. And right now we're only seeing Sanja when she is a child, to when she's a young adult, to when she is really old. So, she's so a grandma. Yeah, and which version of her was your favorite? Because all the reviews I've read have the beginning, one in particular. Well, I mean, the, the introduction episode, the first episode, was pretty amazing. Um, because it really acclimated you to a completely different world, different culture. And the kid was it played really well. It took me till the third episode, the end of the third episode, to see... the Because they switch characters by the end of the first what do you mean? They to young adult Sanja oh, okay. from like eight year old Sanja to like 16 to 18 year old Sanja. And between those two characters, the younger one just does a phenomenal job in the first episode. But this the second one, it that, that third episode, the last scene where she's describing why she would never give up her kid who she hasn't had yet. Um, not only does it convince the audience, but it also convinces the character she's talking to to invite her to go live with him in a completely different city and oh, raise their child so maybe, maybe that is the scene that i thought you were talking about you're talking about isaac right when son just yeah isaac yeah. isaac's a, an interesting dude like he shows up as soon as her previous relationship the father of her child um kind of screws her over what's the name of the father of her child that's not solomon right kohansu kohansu oh yeah. yeah i think that that's played by like a very famous actor so famous in south korea that he had to audition for this role which is something that he hasn't done in 13 years because he's like, because he's so famous so automatic in south yeah there yeah so these are south korean actors and actresses mixed with japanese actors and actresses yeah and and they wanted to originally shoot in korea J japan and they do Vancouver. osaka and narita right well they were going to shoot in those sorry tokyo they were going to shoot in Korea, Japan, and Vancouver, but in the end, I think uh, production only made it so that they shot half of it in Korea and half of it in Vancouver. They didn't shoot any in Japan? I don't think they shot any in Japan. They were supposed to, but The majority of it is in Japan, though. Yeah, it's, it's Like, the 1989 storyline has so many drone shots of Japan and, and, like, how about the outdoors? The Vancouver, really? Yeah. Half of it in Vancouver. That's insane. 
like one of my pros, like the biggest pros that I have is about the visuals and how amazing like the outdoors are. Yeah, no, the the guy Kokonada has actually a movie out right now in very, very limited release. I tried to pull it up yesterday. It's called After Yang. And it was really funny because that starts off with like a dancing scene as well. He's really into- This is about the Andrew Yang run for president. <laughs> no, this is about like a, a, a robot that just stops working that is supposed to be like one of their childs, almost like AI. Anyways, though, he's supposed to be very artistic, and like, and that's what so many people really enjoyed about the first three episodes, where in episodes four through six, they got a different person named Justin Chong. Do you recognize that name? Yeah, I just don't know from where. where he's been, he's been, he actually was starred in a movie I saw a couple months ago called 21 and Over. He was one of the three actors there alongside Miles That's Teller. That's such a weird casting for this. Isn't that like a, a raging comedy? Like a Yeah, well, that's when he was an actor, but he's actually done a lot more behind the camera work. Oh, you mean work. start. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha. He's, yeah. he's done a lot more behind the camera work since then um, being a director, and he's a lot more into kind of the immigrant storyline because he himself is an immigrant as well. I think they did the immigrant storyline justice, though, because a lot of the show is, is a history lesson about the Korean and Japanese tension that existed yeah. uh, during World War One, and, uh, and, and then it just continued. It, it was almost like the um, Israeli-Palestine conflict, but like way earlier. Yeah. And like even in 1989, um, one of the lines that Solomon, who is the grandson of Sanju, says is like, it's now their time to make up for or make amends for what they've done by like paying us right. for our property. So so he worked with a lot of historians in like the writing room I, yeah, as well could, to make it tell. accurate because it's not a true story, but she wanted to make it as accurate as possible. You could tell all of that by watching this. And yeah. So yeah, my my prose right here, mini history lesson. Um, the significance of 1915 and 1989, besides what I said with the stock market crash and just being around World War One, wouldn't have meant anything to me. But I like also how in the show they switch between the dialogue of Japanese and Korean. like Right, and they, they have it. different texts, right? Yeah, yellow and blue. And actually, I, I'll point out my, my number one complaint with the show, which isn't actually about the show. It's about Apple. I prefer subtitles over uh, dubbed audio. But they automatically put dubbed audio when you start to play it. Even when you, when Wait, you close the browser. Wait, English audio? Yes. So when you close, the, close out of the video or when you open a new episode, it always resets to playing the dubbed audio. So I had to find the original, which isn't even marked as original, but you could obviously tell it was it, Korean. It was, yeah. So I switched it to Korean every single time so I could get back to the main actors and actresses talking normally and then have the subtitles show up, I'm really which is much better. And everyone should do that because otherwise you have to depend on the... Um, dubbers as being <laughs> as being as good of actors as the actors it, it, yeah it doesn't matter but it was annoying i'm surprised to hear you say that because the book that it was based off of a, of the same name was english but so made it very clear that she wanted it to be in korean and japanese this tv show like she made that change very clear so i'm surprised that it would sound well when they speak english like dub. more formally to one another uh the koreans they they tend to switch to japanese as if like they're being kind of like unemotional but when they're speaking to one another as like form informal like you're my grandma or whatever then they switch back to their native korean mm -hmm. which is interesting they also have weave in some english because solomon's from the u.s he actually takes the job in uh japan in order to get a promotion going going back to actually what you were talking about though with episode three where sanju decides to live with isaac that was actually so huge is the creator's favorite moment in the whole entire series she he said was amazing there like, I was not even understanding why I found that scene so 
good because usually you're just like, okay, she's defending the fact that she wants to be a mom. But like I was, I was sitting there and I was like, "Am I getting? Am I feeling a little tear drop?" People right said, now? "Yeah, people on set were crying." She said, <laughs> and, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's so weird. They tapped into something in that moment. It was, it was really good, and it was just a restaurant scene. You know what? It probably reminded me of was like in Game of Thrones, where uh, Tyrion Lannister or, or Peter Dinklage mm-hmm. was talking about stomping bugs. And how like dumb a conversation that was, but it was like right before his uh, right, trial, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody found that scene phenomenal, and they just didn't know exactly why. Besides, it was just a great performance. It was that same. It was like that same thing here. Yeah, I mean, I just compared yeah, the two. No, so, <laughs> yeah, I do have some other comparisons. Uh, you said the peacemaker opening that mm-hmm. was obvious. There's also the pastor Isaac. Right, we find out that he is a pastor. Um, he's a traveling pastor. That's why he's able to invite her somewhere else at the end of this episode. Uh, Just like in Midnight Mass, they had a traveling pastor. They also had a traveling pastor in Godless Mm -hmm. that shows up at the very end. So just the traveling pastor. Yeah, there's just always a traveling (laughs) pastor, apparently, in these weird shows, but for completely different reasons. I tried to figure out for a long time why Jimmy Simpson was in this show. He can speak uh, Japanese. Yeah, okay, that must be the reason, because I continually look for it on the internet. There's so many articles about this show, but there was never an explanation as to why he himself, which, by the way, his character was created for this show, along with Naomi, um, they they weren't in the books. But I was wondering why he, out of everyone... Well, Naomi only shows up a little bit right now. She's just a co-worker right now. But you can tell that there's probably going to be a relationship forming between her and Solomon at some point. Okay, is, so- is Solomon a main character? So, yeah, Solomon is the 1989 main character. That's different He's from the He's the grandson. Book. So he, again, flies from the U.S. to uh, uh, Tokyo and um, Osaka to try to convince this woman to give up her property for his investment firm to buy up. And oh, use. I heard that. And he thinks that he's going to be able to do it because he's like Korean, right? Yeah, he's very confident with himself. He's like, I am 100% going to do this. They haven't been able to do it over there. And so he goes there. He's like, Jimmy Simpson, you stay here. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to convince her. And he brings her a square watermelon, which the one time I went to Japan, they had square watermelon. So I loved it. (laughs) So he gave her the square watermelon and he said, I need you to sell this property for a billion yen. And she said, no. And he said, (laughs) okay. And then he leaves. And I was like, you're so confident. You had it written in your contract that you wanted a promotion based on the fact that you were so sure you could convince this lady. And his whole sales pitch was, here's a square watermelon. And well, it takes it, him until the first... That's supposed to be, that's it supposed to be him, funny, right? Uh, not, I mean, maybe it just seemed weird to me because the next episode, he's like, grandma, can you convince her? And then he drags his grandma all the way there. And then she eventually sort of does. So, so he's able to get it in the end. Yes, he is successful. But also his sister is missing, Hannah. Um, and she keeps on calling him up and she has tuberculosis or something because she's really sick on the phone. There's a whole mystery aspect with what's going on with her. Um, but Solomon's storyline is, is, it's good. It's not on the same level with Sanju's. Sanju's is, is, is so much fun to just watch. I, I believe that Solomon isn't a main character in the book. In fact, if anything, I think he's just supposed to be like a very, very side character that doesn't do much. Remember Dope Sick? <laughs> yeah. Remember Industry? Mm-hmm. The In Dope Sick, it was drug peddlers, the drug salesmen. But in Industry, it was the that market, um, the mentality the of like um, cutthroat. 
mm-hmm. you know, and that's what Solomon is trying to do. He's he's showing the difference of second or third generation when like they decide they want to go out and and conquer, you know, like, right? Because because the book he wants to leave, he wants to go to the U.S. Right, because yeah. the book is is about immigration. It's about race. Like racism is supposed to be a big part in the book. But and it's here. not pounding you in the face with it in the way that like today's shows sort of sometimes do. Where the writing doesn't match the message they're trying to send, so it comes across clunky or right. just it's like hard to watch. But with this show, it almost functions as a caste system because it is harder to differentiate someone from being Korean or Japanese or Chinese from someone being black and someone being Caucasian. You know, right. so when they when you see the Koreans being disrespected by the Japanese, you're it's it is racism. But it's a completely different racism than we're used to. It's not based off the way they look. It's based off where they were born. Well, yeah, the origin. It's not something that we we normally see represented. And so, like, that that, that was cool to see. But Sohu tried to get this show created for multiple years upon years going to different streamers. But she wasn't able I'm glad to get she the didn't. budget. I'm, yeah, I'm glad she didn't because, like, unless this was on Apple, I can't see any other platform right now giving her... The carte blanche that Apple has clearly done. Well, five streaming networks were vying for this show. And then Apple TV was, it was actually willing to give her the amount of money that she wanted. Because they were comparing the amount of money to, like, it takes for a season of Succession or The Crown. Yeah. To, like, craziness. Easy. And they were supposed to shoot this during the summer of 2020. Um, but then, of course, that got uh, pushed back to November of 2020. And at this point, um, they've just kind of been scoping out what they're going to do for the rest of the series. Yeah, well, they've, they, the, the plot is actually pretty simple because you have her growing up and you see her losing um, her dad. Uh, you see her lose. Um, so so the, her family owns this boarding house, right, mm-hmm. uh, that basically takes in uh, fishermen who are traveling and uh, th- then, like, feeds them and such while they're there. And uh, this is in the middle while the Japanese every once in a while walk through and are, like, disciplining people for not following country order and uh sanju is growing up and one of the fishermen speaks out um not publicly but then the japanese hear about it and uh she warns him but then he ends up being caught and killed anyways in front of her uh so like yeah there is death and sadness in this but then when she grows up grows up like she's always been in the fish market so she knows how to haggle and she's like really good at it and smart and this Kohansu guy shows up and he's supposed to also be working with the Japanese. However, he was born like a peasant in, in poverty as well. So he knows what um, Sanju's gone through. And so he sort of falls in love with her. And then they have a baby together or they're about to have a baby wow, together. So like, yeah. yeah, by the end of the second episode, she's having sex with him because they went mushroom hunting. It's weird. Um, <laughs> mushroom hunting? Is that just where you like go? And well, they were check. doing laundry and then he's like, let's go hunt for mushrooms. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, which is code apparently for sex. So then in the third episode, though, she tells him, and he takes a great. Kohansu seems like a swell guy. It's like, oh, he might be a, a little mean because of uh, everything he has to do for the Japanese, but he's rich. He'll take care of her. And then he's like, yeah, but I also have a wife, and uh, mm. and I can't actually marry you, but you'll be taken care of, and everything will be fine. <laughs> and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> and, and then they get into an argument, and then he accuses her um, of just uh, seducing him to get married to him, which he knows isn't true. You can see on his face, he's like, oh, I'm an idiot. He's just trying to come up with an excuse. No, he was just like in the heat of the moment angry. 
And then as he's walking away, because he's still a dick at this point, uh, he walks away. He literally bumps into Isaac, who's like suffering tuberculosis as he's going to the house, which is the thing her dad died from. Mm. So then, I, you know what it reminded me of? That third third episode, the uh, thing that yeah. we were talking about already with Sanju <laughs> being so convincing. Right. It reminded me of the Haunting of Hill House also, where the, um, the old man uh, in the first season was talking to the dad about his wife. And, and or, reason, or you're talking about the guy who's like the how the homeowner no the the housekeeper basically right yeah yeah and he was talking about why his wife was so scared or why you shouldn't stay at the property late at night or whatever and that scene was so effective mm-hmm. and that, guy that was like it. a one-shot take right I yeah think. yeah he also said that, like there were people crying i think at the end of that scene too so yeah uh sorry to jump but uh kohansu so he leaves and isaac shows up isaac literally faints at the doorstep of the boarding house and they're like, we got to get him out of here because tuberculosis is contagious and we, and we can't have him just getting everybody sick. But the mom's like, no, we're going to keep him here because she felt bad for him. Like her husband had died from it. Um, so they get a lot done. There's like a lot of connections they're making. Well, this is throughout all three episodes. So by the end, though, that the preacher, the Isaac wakes up and then he has this conversation with uh, Sanju and he realizes that Sanju's not just this like unfortunate girl who needs to give up her kid but instead is someone that he could see a life with and so he's taking her somewhere else and so that's actually a pretty simple plot when you think about it and solomon's plot is just like he's come home he's seen sanju his aunt just died sanju's um step sibling i guess Mm -hmm. and then uh he's made the sale with this property basically and that's it that's it. And that's, his sister's that's, missing. That's that's the majority his of his family story. also owns that pachinko casino. That's where they get their money. So from. you so you actually see pachinko machines because the yeah. intro they shot it halfway through filming and the production design team just like made that, that that whole thing that you see in the intro. But I didn't know that it was actually in the show. Yeah, it's the only time you see all the characters from all the timelines just hanging out and dancing. So it's just, weird. just when they're there. <laughs> yeah, and it's got this weird soundtrack, but it does amp up as the, and then by the end of the thing, it's it's weird just to see. Well, it. apparently, <laughs> apparently the intro was actually written like it mapped out and written in every single script. Usually, people don't do that. They don't write out like the actions that people take in the intro because it's usually just the same each episode. It is the same every episode. Yeah, but for some reason, they uh, so Hugh decided to put in every single script in every single episode. <laughs> okay. I think there's to do something interesting with it at like the very end of the series but i I won't get into that yeah so and then as far as the good and the bad stuff i already talked about it being a mini history lesson i was never bored despite knowing most of the characters by the end there and i was like okay people said it went by fast like people said that they thought they were only 15 or 20 minutes into the show and then it ended up being like the end of the episode suddenly not for me it felt it felt pretty densely packed however i said the plot was simple it doesn't shy away from death, which I liked, but it never gets bogged down in it. You see the fisherman, and they don't actually show you his death, but you like know he's dead. You see Hirohito, who is the dad, and he also was like a really good actor. But uh, the acting has been across the board. You know, loved. you know that thing in in movies and TV shows where someone holds their breath and then you try to match it. Yeah, they literally do that here, where the daughter goes down. Like we see this beautiful thing where she's in a cove and she's like fishing, and the d- dad comes out and she he like goes. <gasps> And then they both like breathe together, and then she goes down under, and then but he, he starts st- getting he concerned. Okay, and he starts getting concerned because of how long she goes. But she's down there for like two minutes because I, I held my breath too, and yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a full two minutes. Um, the storytelling method, just great A stuff. Yeah, simple. It flips between the past and the present like liberally. 
Like, this isn't one of those shows where it's, like, half the time's here, 30 minutes after that, and then there's this flip, and then we see the other. No, it's, like, one second here, one second here, you, one second Are you here. able to tell every time, or do, does it, like... Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it does signal it to you. Um, yeah. It's, like, dark, because dark would also have these montages where they would flip, and they would show you something happen, and then how it, like, coalesced, or how it's connected to something in the future. It did that type of thing, the weaving mm-hmm. um, between generations. We also see the the sets, the atmosphere, the images, the nature. Like, they put a lot of time, like, she's holding a dragonfly up with her finger, the culture and like the stuff we wouldn't see in the states that's what made me so surprised yeah. that vancouver was such a like did they cgi everything like that's insane well no like, I, the tugboats i think it, it has to be the director like the director is really into that type of stuff so i think that that's where it comes into play the, Not, go ahead I was, it has a 98 percent on ron tomatoes i didn't even bother like finding reviews for it because practically every single review was saying the same just go watch thing. it yeah yeah I'd recommend it for anybody who wants to see anything different and who doesn't want to see something different. Um, but the biggest, my biggest pro, the best part of this show by far is the sound. The sound? I've never watched a show where I walk away with it just amazed by what I'm hearing. Um, and I'm not talking about the voices. It's just they show the elements to everything through hearing. Like you have wind and fire and ocean and steam, leaves, wood. There's always something, and like the boom mic person must have just gone all out. <laughs> like I don't know if he took a snort of coke before he did. Like he he was crazy because he just did every. It, the the sounds are amazing. Um, it's almost like ASMR. It's uh, <laughs> I haven't. You know how like Spirited Away uh, and anime gets complimented for its visuals, yeah. and sometimes like it sounds like usually stuff. Studio would, Ghibli. Yeah. Yeah. That was like on par with this. Like it was it was like a live action version of hearing and seeing some amazing stuff i haven't heard i haven't heard a lot of people compliment the sound it's all about the elements that and the bass or um not oboe but a cello the the cello went crazy in in episode one and it was just fun to listen to. okay so overall if you had to rate it what would you this is nine out of ten nine out of ten yeah it it sold me it's a nine out of ten the only other negative i would say is that at parts with the kohansu relationship it was a little like a k-drama um (laughs) because like you we in the first episode, we watch Sanju as a kid. So we're watching her from the audience perspective, from a parent's perspective, um, because her parents are the ones who are the ones raising her. Uh, and in the second episode, we're watching her from Kohansu's perspective. Like there's always a lighter filter and he's seeing her and, and they're having these happy scenes, despite the fact that he's kind of a disciplinarian to other people, almost like in Handmaid's Tale, where she falls in love with sort of the bad guy. Um, but yeah, it's not until episode three where you really see his true colors and... Uh, and, and then it stops being a K-drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sohu said that she couldn't make this, like, six or seven years ago. She said that, like, it, yeah. with the, like, amount of representation, it was a lot easier now. I wish show, more shows like this existed, though. Yeah, it's like a dime a dozen nowadays, where it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about race in, in a different way. It's like, no, you're not. You're talking about it in the same way that every other comedy or special does. But, like, this is truly a... Um, unique experience uh, people people, people have called it the best show of the year definitely so far like it's gone it's one of them yeah people have like put it up there and consistently called it so so you, you need to be patient and you need to trust that they're not going to let you down because there are other in the today's day and age with the budgets and the expensive looking sets and stuff it's easy to get tricked and think oh this is going to be a great yeah. show by based off like two scenes but this one actually, like, probably is. I think, well, I think that the reviews reviewers were given the full season. And they said that, like, the it's, full it season, up. it holds up. And episode seven, I don't know what happens in it, but it's supposed to be 
really good. Sanju dies. <laughs> <laughs> no, at this point, old Sanju is heading back to Korea, which is a big deal because she's going to spread her uh, ex-sister or her stepsister's ash- ashes. Mm. So, yeah. But I'm more interested in what's going on with Hannah. Like, obviously, she's sick and, uh, and there's a mystery going on. Like, why did she disappear? And she obviously has, like, uh, the ability to spy on, on Solomon in his office because she calls him up and she's like, so I can see you in there. <laughs> it's like, what, what's going on? Um, I think uh, the book, when I kept on, like, reading reviews about it, a lot of, like, Korean people said, I think it's, like, a cultural impact type thing where a lot of people say like that. Like, if you're like, in Korea and you mention that book, everybody's like, oh, yeah, we know that book. They, they know the book and they're like, what's it, it called? Uh, it's the same oh, Pachinko. name, Pachinko, okay. but they, they're like, yeah, this is something that my like grandparents and parents, uh, so Hugh said the same thing, like they, that's what they had to go through. So yeah, like it's very well known. So it was only a matter of time before it was made into a movie or TV show, but here it seems like there's so much story. That's why they decided to make it a TV show. Yeah. The last thing I'll point out is in the Pachinko machines, they actually screw those, like they fix them. Like they, they, uh, they mess with them. Is it just like ping pong? Like is, is the game ping pong practically? It's like a gambling game. Because you win if you win. But what I'm saying is that like there's little um, metal bars that come out and they actually like hammer them in so that the balls can't go- get through them mm-hmm. as easily. Um, so they're fixing the machines so that they don't lose as much money. Oh, for, for the audition thing for this was actually pretty intense. Uh, they had the people who auditioned for this had to memorize three or four scenes, a cumulative to script pages being 25. So they had to memorize 25 pages. And so that was that made Sohyu like kind of realize who wanted it the most. Mm. You know, old Sanju was in Sensei. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, and, and uh, they have, so they bought in like the, the top three people for a lot of roles like Solomon, Sanju, Isaac, and like they made them all kind of interact with each other to see who had the best chemistry. And that Jimmy was a Simpson. Big thing. And Jimmy Simpson, yeah. His his arc is just basically he's a washed out because uh, his wife left him and he's just working at the branch in in Japan in 1989. <laughs> All right. Well, unless you got anything else you want to say, no. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. See you in the next one. Bye. Bye.